It's March 12th. And now we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. And today we'll be looking into the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. He arose. Because they forgot his resurrection promises, the women were in sorrow and worrying about the future. Who will roll away the stone? When they learned that Jesus was alive, their first response was fear and not faith. But then they became the first heralds of the resurrection. The angel had a special word for Peter, who was no doubt still grieving his sins. The living Christ gives you something to rejoice in, something to talk about, and something to look forward to. He goes before you. And we'll read about the fact that he appeared after he arose. This section summarizes the Lord's resurrection appearances. All to whom he appeared became witnesses of his resurrection, just as we should be today. And we'll read about the fact that he ascended. The servant is the sovereign at the Father's right hand. He humbled himself in obedience, and God exalted him in glory. But he is not idle, for he is working with his people as they take the gospel to every nation. What an encouragement to be a witness for your Lord. And now with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. March 12th, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 20. The next evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices to put on Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they came to the tomb. On the way they were discussing who would roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb. But when they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, a very large one, had already been rolled aside. So they entered the tomb, and there on the right sat a young man clothed in a white robe. The women were startled. But the angel said, Do not be surprised. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and give this message to his disciples, including Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, saying nothing to anyone, because they were too frightened to talk. Then they reported all these instructions briefly to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. It was early on Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead, and the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and found the disciples, who were grieving and weeping. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, he appeared to two who were walking from Jerusalem into the country, but they didn't recognize him at first because he had changed his appearance. When they realized who he was, they rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. 
Still later he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their unbelief, their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and heal them. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and set down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Hello, my name is Charles Clayton Graff, known, known as Chucky Hoover. <laughs> I'm one of four children, two sisters, and one brother. I'm the youngest, so growing up, I would watch mom and dad fight badly, causing my brother and my sisters to do drugs. I started drinking behind my mom's back till she found out and got punished for it. Dad died and everything went south. I started using methamphetamines and staying up for days. Led me to start being uncontrolling. And I put dope in front of everything and everybody. All I cared about was the dope. And I would do anything and everything to get it. Mom started using crack cocaine. So I started robbing her and everything that she had. I bought dope from my buddy and leaving his house, I was stopped by the police and got arrested. Got out, found a girl and got engaged and had two kids. Well, that was going good until I started using again. She found out and got into a fight. As soon as I got home, our car, I had a home, I had a car, I had f five years together and I can't see my son now. I started robbing people, led me to kid, led me to jail, and when I got out, and I, when I got out, I was introduced to the refuge. And ever since I got to the refuge, man, it's 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 been a miracle. It's been it's it's been a blessing for me. Like my like my cousin always told me, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and there there's there's definitely light. There, I'm I'm it's, it's beautiful. So, I mean, I just encourage all y'all to do the same thing that I'm doing. And uh, I love you guys. And that's all I got. Amen. Spiritually blind. You are blinded to the big picture. You are blinded to the grand plan. Your life becomes obsessed with the here and the now. All you can see is a checking account and a savings account and a retirement fund and a good job and good friends and a great weekend and awesome vacations. And all you can see is here and now. And you have no ability to step back for a second and realize there is something far more extensive and expansive and imperative and important and transpiring and it is time and space beyond called eternity and there is a creator and there is a God and there is something way more important than your new boat that you're going to take on the water this summer but your understanding is darkened and all you see is how many Instagram followers you have okay no one really cares but 
that's you're, you're, you're so limited in scope. You're alienated from the life of God. Listen to the language Paul uses. You are alienated. You are completely removed from, listen, the life of God. Spiritually, you are lifeless. There is ignorance that is profound and present because your heart is hard. Wow. Jesus saves. From what? Uh, That. Your heart is hard? You, You know the word heart means the control center of your being. Your conscience. Your feelings. Your emotions. Your will. It is hard. Desensitized. Indifferent. And careless. To the one who designed you. Wired you. Created you. Put you together. You are impervious to any of his involvement. Now you might be here and say, I'm not, I don't really care if my heart is hard. Let me just appeal to you on this. Your experience on this planet is profoundly limited by a control center that is desensitized to the one who gave it to you in the first place. If you are looking for maximum human experience on earth, it is intrinsically linked to your ability to connect your existence and your experience to the one who gave it to you in the first place. So nobody wants a hard heart. How do you know? How subjective is a hard heart metaphor or statement? Or phrase, you, you have a hard heart. I'll never forget growing up in church. I've been in more church services and you've had lattes at Starbucks, okay? You have lost count, right? And I, I remember years ago being in the church and running around and maybe creating a little bit of ruckus and stuff. Practically lived at the church and sweet old saint, minus the sweet, who told me, you young man have a hard heart. Well, that was really uplifting. Thank you. You have a hard heart. How do you know if you have a hard heart? Because based on the language of Paul, it's, it's really a bad thing when your control center is completely desensitized to God. You have an inability to feel or be aware or acknowledge Psalm 55, verses 1 through 23. Troubles around him, terrors within him, and treachery next to him. Combined, all of this combined to make David wish he could get away from it all. It was not easy being God's anointed king. For with the privileges came great burdens and responsibilities. And God's enemies became David's enemies. Leadership, my friend, is not easy. David wanted wings like a dove so he could fly away from the storm. What he really needed were wings like an eagle so he could fly above the storm for a while. Well, how do you get them? By going into the Holy of Holies under the shadow of His wings. When you call on the Lord and cast your burdens on Him, He enables you to overcome. You cannot fly beyond the storm because... You'll find problems everywhere, but you can fly above the storm. God permits the burdens you face today to help you win your wings. Psalm chapter 55, verses 1 through 23. 
for the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me, hunting me down in their anger. My heart is in anguish. The terror of death overpowers me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Oh, how I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far away from this wild storm of hatred. Destroy them, Lord, and confuse their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Murder and robbery are everywhere there. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death seize my enemies by surprise. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I plead aloud in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He rescues me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, even though many still oppose me. God, who is king forever, will hear me and will humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for this friend of mine, he betrayed me. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as cream, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you to save me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 7 When the wicked die, their hopes all perish, for they rely on their own feeble strength.